Hey everybody, it's Dr. Sam, and I want to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. We have a very interesting show today. I'm going to be uh, taking a question about somebody who is developing cataracts, who has had um, radiokeratotomy, and also has had chemotherapy. Second, I'm going to be talking to somebody about how to navigate the difference between their eyes, because their prescriptions are really different. And then I'm going to take a question about optic neuropathy. And then finally, a question about corneal health and Fuchs dystrophy. So stay tuned. folks, it's Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. This is a show that offers you cutting-edge information on eye care and wellness. So we've got some very cool questions today, so I think I'm going to start right in. Uh, This is a person, uh, good morning, hope you can help me. Years ago, I had radiokeratotomy, As a result, I have now high pressure and astigmatism. Also, I have had breast cancer and have gone through chemotherapy. Now I am told I have cataracts. Any suggestions would be appreciated. Well, first of all, let's start with the refractive surgery, uh, radiokeratotomy. This was the surgery that uh, came before Uh, the current LASIK surgery. This was actually developed uh, back in 1974 as a refractive surgical procedure to correct myopia in the eyeball. And of course, we've evolved to um, LASIK surgery. And uh, so let's talk about that first of all. You know, one of the things that uh, I have found about LASIK surgery is that there are definitely complications In fact, I just posted a a video blog. This was an article that was published in People Magazine, November 14th, 2019. And the title was, Former FDA Advisor Who Voted to Approve LASIK Now Thinks the Eye Surgery Should Be Banned. Wow. So this gentleman, Morris Waxler, he was one of the experts who consulted in LASIK surgery and approval in the FDA, he believes that the surgery actually has long-term health effects and it should be absolutely taken off the medical market altogether. Well, I have certainly observed in my practice that people who have had LASIK surgery, probably somewhere around 30% have ongoing problems. Dry eye syndrome, Uh, starbursts around, uh, you know, looking at uh, lighted objects, especially headlights at night. And the third thing that I see about LASIK surgery is that it doesn't hold, that actually the programming which causes myopia is stronger than the refractive surgery, and this is why the, uh, the myopia tends to come back. So whenever you've had refractive surgery, you then have a mismatch going on between what's going on in the eyeball and what's going on in the mind, brain, and body that maybe is causing 
had caused the myopia to begin with. Second of all, um, this comes from MD Anderson. Now we're moving to chemotherapy. Whenever patients have had chemotherapy, now I'm quoting MD Anderson here, is that common ocular problems for people who have had cancer and now uh, are dealing with uh, chemo uh, issues could be things like double vision, visual field loss, optic nerve swelling, and inflammation. So with those factors, uh, we know that the eyes uh, have a very high metabolic need in the body, and the lens, particularly, we call it an avascular structure, which means that it relies on its blood, uh, blood vessel nutrient absorption indirectly. And we know that uh, cataracts are caused because of protein buildup. There's metabolic waste that begins to accumulate in the lens of the eye. And so the combination of the refractive surgery and the chemo, which creates some toxicity, could be some of the risk factors that are creating this free radical accumulation in the lens. So some things that I would suggest would be, first of all, doing the physical eye therapy for myopia. You know, when you do physical eye therapy, you're retraining or reprogramming the relationship that the mind and the brain happens to tell the eyes. And in myopia, we know that that's a pulling in, a tightening of our visual world, a tunneling, becoming over-focalized. And if you've had any kind of eye surgery, especially in the refractive world, uh, doing the physical eye therapy is a way for you to integrate the surgery and perhaps uh, metabolize it in a way that your eyes and brain are now in better sync. The second thing I would do, would I would definitely up your glutathione and vitamin C levels. This is for lens health. I'm recommending about 250 milligrams a day of glutathione and about 1,000 milligrams a day of vitamin C. I also think doing the eye drops, the Oculomed eye drops, which also contain glutathione and vitamin C, would be worth trying as well. Another risk factor in cataracts is our sugar ingestion. So, you know, if we're uh, eating foods that contain sugar, uh, this is gonna increase the risk factor of cataract formation. I also think doing some kind of a detoxification uh, is very important. You know, any, anybody who's had cancer, who has done chemo, chemo or radiation, uh, I think it's very important to get on some kind of a detoxification program, working with a functional medicine doctor, a naturopathic doctor. I think in doing these things, this would be uh, another way to improve your liver health, uh, the energetic aspects of your eyes, and give it about three to six months in doing this whole program, you should have some improvement in the cataract formation. So I really appreciate the question. I think it's a, it's a good one, and there are a lot of different factors that contribute to this cataract, and uh, best of luck to you. Let's take question two in our podcast today. Thanks for uh, doing what you do. 
I want to mention that my vision in my left eye is a minus 1.75, and in my right eye, it's a minus 5 with a little astigmatism. What suggestions can you offer me? Well, right now, we're dealing with a condition which we call anisometropia, which means that one eye is much worse than the other eye. And so if we, if we take a look at this from a focal distance uh, perspective, the left, the left eye is a minus five, meaning that it's almost three times as strong as the, the right eye, which is a minus 1.75. So the focal distance of the left eye without lenses is going to be maybe two or three inches from the eye, whereas the right eye, the focal distance is going to be maybe about 10 inches from the eye. So immediately this sets up a difference in the two eyes focusing at the same place at the same time. This creates what we call a strobe effect because the eyes are working at and processing at a different time-space continuum. In fact, the left eye is focusing much more quickly, it's much more compressed, and the right eye is focusing a little more slowly and the compression in the eye due to the myopia is, is less. This also sets up a situation where the left eye might be the reading eye and the right eye might be the distance eye. So it's almost like a natural monovision. And you know how I feel about monovision. You're basically splitting the brain and you have to suppress the eye that, that you're not using based on the distance that you're focusing. So one technique that I would recommend, and this is very radical, and you want to do this in a non-demanding and non-threatening situation, but I would start wearing a minus 1.75 that you have in the right eye in both eyes. And I'd start to just be aware of how your eyes feel, how your body feels, what your perceptions are, just as a way to inform the kind of the perception of the left eye by giving it permission to say, you know, I don't have to see it as clearly and I can relax into the blur. And when you wear the same prescription in each eye, it actually informs the eyes and the brain to start moving in the direction of working together. Now, again, it's probably gonna feel a little weird because you're taking that really tight lens off the left eye and you're making both eyes the same. And I would start wearing it in non-demanding situations, maybe take a walk with it, uh, you know, just, just start to be mindful of what it's like to have the same lenses over each eye. Two other things I would do, I would do the plus lens to blur exercise, that's the exercise where you get the opposite prescription, the far-sighted prescription at the drugstore, you wear an eye patch over each eye separately, you put the blurry glasses on, and you process your emotions and your perceptions into the blur. And the goal is to relax into the blur, love your blur, and in doing that, when you take the blurry glasses off and you take the eye patch off, you might start to get more balance between your eyes. Uh, but definitely, you know, when you start dialoguing with the left eye, you're going to recognize that that eye is a lot tighter, may contain more fear, 
and you're embodying a certain consciousness with that left eye that's very tight. And of course, the left eye in Chinese medicine is the feminine. It's the intuitive. It's the right brain. So what you're saying is, is that the left eye, the right brain, has a lot more compression in it than the right eye, which is the masculine father uh, left brain. So it's a process of unwinding, and these would be the techniques I would use to start to uh, create a change. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you very much for the question. Our third question is from a listener who is suffering from a condition called optic neuropathy. So if we think of the optic nerve as the kind of the plexus of nerves that connect the retina to the brain, we can start to understand that this optic nerve is a very sensitive tissue that is critical for our peripheral vision, uh, our eye circulation, and we usually see problems with optic neuropathy in conditions like glaucoma, optic neuritis, um, and this can be, especially in the optic neuritis, this can actually be a swelling of the optic nerve, which again can be things secondarily like environmental toxicity, uh, conditions like MS or other neurological deficits. But the name of the game in any kind of optic neuropathy, let's just start with the nutrients. I think it's very important that we make sure we're getting enough vitamin B6, vitamin B12, and folate. There's been some studies that actually show that if we start increasing our levels of these B vitamins, that we actually reduce the elevated homocysteine. Now, homocysteine is one of the blood markers which can tell us about inflammation, and there's a relationship between elevated homocysteine and things like glaucoma and other optic nerve issues. I also recommend uh, getting something called alpha-lipoic acid, about 150 to 200 milligrams a day, Taurine, which is an amino acid, somewhere around 250 milligrams a day, and N-acetylcysteine, 300 milligrams a day. So these particular uh, antioxidants actually have been shown in research to help improve, uh, produce metabolic energy. This is through the mitochondria. And when you supplement with these, they actually act as free radical scavengers. In some research, they actually can help protect retinal ganglion cells and uh, oxidative stress. So glutamate is a toxicity that can start to form if we're developing free radical damage in the optic nerve area. Now I love taurine because it's an amino acid that's actually very concentrated in the optic nerve. And if there's excessive nerve, nerve damage due to optic neuropathy, taurine is one of those amino acids that can help promote a better blood flow, reduce oxidative stress, and uh, it's, just, it's just great to, uh, as a supplement if you've got optic neuropathy. And the N-acetylcysteine is another key amino acid 
that helps in the ocular defense of the enzyme called glutathione. And you've heard me talk a lot about the benefits of glutathione. Uh, one of the things that low glutathione does is it helps reduce the nitric oxide in the retinal vessels. And nitric oxide in healthy amounts can actually dilate the retinal vessels. And so the whole idea is being able to have our retinal circulation, optic nerve circulation, be increased and help uh, get rid of free radicals. A couple other things I want to add here. There's, a, there's a, a flavonoid that I've talked a little about called quercetin. And in this uh, flavonoid, it's actually been shown to improve the antioxidant enzyme uh, that helps get rid of uh, free radical damage. And quercetin in low amounts has been linked to certain optic nerve imbalances. And then last but not least, my favorite go-to trace mineral is magnesium. Magnesium is important for many things, but it helps maintain normal vascular tone. And so for things where there are vascular diseases in the eyes, uh, magnesium is there to help reduce the spasms of the vessels. It helps increase the blood supply to the optic nerve. And uh, it's just, most people are deficient in magnesium. So that's the biochemical angle. I also like using color therapy on the eyes. And in our color therapy, I like to use the colors purple, indigo violet, blue-green. These help reduce inflammation and edema in the retinal cells, including the optic nerve. And, you know, spending about 10 minutes twice a day looking through the blue-green, purple, and indigo can be very beneficial for the retinal and optic nerve cells in uh, reducing some of the inflammation that might be occurring. I also think my eye exercises, the optic nerve, I think it's for glaucoma, the 90-day eye clarity program is a really good eye exercise program for optic neuropathy. So there are some things for you to, to add in, add on, uh, keep in touch, and thank you very much for the question. My last question today is from a listener who wants some advice on Fuchs corneal dystrophy. And I get this question quite a bit. You know, the cornea is the clear window of the eye. I call it the primary window of the eye. And it is comprised mostly of collagen material. And the cornea has these tiny nerve endings and depending on the lubrication of the tears, these nerve endings can become irritated. In addition, uh, since the blood vessels uh, that innervate and support the nutrients of the cornea, these blood vessels uh, do this indirectly, uh, so there's no direct blood, uh, blood supply to the cornea, um, if our tears are evaporating very quickly or we have an imbalance in our tear production, this creates an inflammatory response. It affects our collagen health and this sometimes can lead 
to a subsequent interruption of the collagen health, which can lead to conditions like Fuchs dystrophy or keratoconus. And in Fuchs dystrophy, sometimes uh, we need to take a look at, well, our systemic and metabolic contributions to our eyes. Uh, and we also have to take a look at the quality of the tears we're producing that can cover the cornea. So let's take the first step in our treatment by lubricating the cornea using either MSM eye drops or similicin or optique homeopathic eye drops. I would try to do both of those at least four to six times a day. I would alternate. Uh, I also would like to in, uh, recommend instilling an eyebright compress. This should be in your routine once or twice a week. You could do this before bed. And then the third option, which I've been talking a lot about, is the hexane-free organic uh, castor oil eye drops. You know, castor oil is one of those magical oils that does things like improve skin health, reduce inflammation, improve collagen health. And when you massage the castor oil into the eyelids, uh, this actually can start to be a game changer in improving tear production and reducing inflammation around the eyes. I think visual stress is another contributing factor to these corneal dystrophies, keratoconus and Fuchs dystrophy. So if you're spending a lot of time on digital devices or you're in front of your phone or in computer screens, I would do my eye exercise program for corneal health. I would also see in this eye exercise program, target your eye lymph and eye circulation because your cornea needs additional nutrients. And speaking of those nutrients, these would include things like lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin, vitamin A, vitamin C, bilberry, and your B vitamins. The B vitamins are very, very important for corneal health. I also like things like craniosacral therapy and uh, also acupuncture as ways to increase the energy to the eyes improving the lymph function, and ultimately connecting your eyes to your brain and body, and hopefully creating more uh, moisturization in the eye area. I think the bottom line with Fuchs dystrophy, keratoconus, and uh, any other corneal dystrophy is that you must work on improving your collagen health, getting better lubrication into your eyes, much more nutrients, and reducing visual stress. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show today. I want to thank you for all of your questions, for tuning in, and until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. 
The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.